My name is Melissa Navarro, and welcome to COVID Around the World, the podcast dedicated to connecting with Fairfield University's international partners during COVID-19. In this episode, we will be focusing on the impact of COVID-19 on migration and border control at the Nicaraguan and Costa Rican border. For this segment, we have a Nicaraguan journalist who is based in Costa Rica joining us to speak on these matters. To start, would you like to introduce yourself and give us a brief description of your job and responsibilities in Costa Rica? Hi, thank you for this invitation. Uh, like you said, I'm a journalist, I'm Nicaraguan, and I live in Costa Rica uh, since 2015. I work for a Nicaraguan outlet called Confidencial, and what I do is I focus on covering immigration uh, Nicaraguan immigration in Costa Rica, the United States, um, the Nicaraguan community living abroad is kind of big, around 10% of our population. So we we want to dedicate some of our coverage to this um, audience. And that's what I do. I also am a correspondent for France 24. And so I also cover uh, different uh, issues um, that have to do with the Costa Rican reality. Um, including, obviously, uh, immigration. Where did you say you live currently? I live in San Jose, Costa Rica. Okay, great. Thank you for joining us today. So I was wondering if you could start off by talking about the illegal immigration coming from Nicaragua into Costa Rica pre-COVID. Maybe also add a little bit of your input from what you've seen about how people have felt about Nicaraguans regardless of their legal status in the country before COVID-19? Because I know since I'm actually, my family's originally from Costa Rica, I know that there's been tension for as long as I think my family could remember as well about the feelings of Costa Ricans against Nicaraguans. Yes. um, Like I said, Nicaraguans uh, migrate a lot. Around 10% of our population live in the United States. Costa Rica and some other countries like Spain, Mexico, Panama. Um, The reasons for Nicaraguans uh, to migrate is basically the situation, historical um, events like war and unrest for over 50 years. We have a big Nicaraguan uh, migrant population is around 10% of our population. Um, Many of them live in the United States, Costa Rica mainly, and you also have some Nicaraguans living in uh, Europe, Spain mostly, Panama, and Mexico. Um, The reason why we migrate, uh, especially to Costa Rica, is because we're close. Uh, um, Costa Rica is right next to us in the south, and also because of historical events. Uh, For the past 50 years, we've had Uh, many civil wars and unrest that has caused um, political and economic instability. And so Nicaraguans, um, they leave the country looking for jobs, for better opportunities. And Costa Rica, on the other side, has had a more stable um, situation. It has had a very um, successful Um, economic story. It's a country uh, where you have a lot of possibilities in tourism and construction. And it's actually one of the, it's it's an exemplary country in the region. So um, that's why you have around 300,000 
between 300,000 and 500,000 Nicaraguans living in Costa Rica. Many of them uh, have come legally through authorized checkpoints, but many of them also uh, go in and out through a very porous border. Uh, the 309 kilometers of border, um, you don't have any walls, you don't have any physical obstacles. It's mainly rivers, mountains, and private farms that migrants can cross very easily. And you also have a very tight uh, dynamic between border towns in Costa Rica and in Nicaragua. Um, so it's really hard to know for sure how many Nicaraguans were crossing illegally uh, because Costa Rica didn't used to have a surveillance plan in place like it does right now due to COVID. And regarding your question um, about the relationships between Costa Ricans and Nicaraguans, um, I also I always say it's one of um, friendship and union, but also there is rejection. Um, you have a lot of binational families by now. It's very easy to find Nicaraguans who have relatives and friends living in Costa Rica. You have lots of Costa Ricans who will tell you that um, they have an uncle that is Nicaraguan or their grandparents were Nicaraguan. Um, but there's also this concept of Nicaraguans coming in to take other people's jobs, to take advantage of the health system uh, and other resources. Many of these claims are myths and there have been a lot of studies that prove that it's not true that Nicaraguans take advantage of the resources that are supposed to be for Costa Ricans, but it's really hard um, to dismantle these beliefs. I was actually going to say that I, it's my understanding, and you, you mentioned it, that it was really easy to cross the border before COVID. So would Nicaraguans just travel every day across the border in order to go to work? Because I've also read articles that said that Nicaraguans that were based in Nicaragua would travel to Costa Rica for work and then go back home just by crossing the border. Yes, exactly. We visited recently this area. We went through, uh, we visited 11 different areas in the border between Nicaragua and Costa Rica. And we found out one, uh, like I said, that there is a very tight relationship between these towns. You have many Nicaraguan towns that are uh, closer to Costa Rica than they are uh, uh, to Nicaragua. They use colones, which is the um, Costa Rican currency. They don't use Cordobas, which is the, the Nicaraguan currency. Um, they use uh, some of the Costa Rican resources like drinking water just because it's easier to get it from there. Uh, and they also have uh, their jobs in Costa Rica. And in the same way, some Costa Ricans who live in that area, they cross the border, uh, go to Nicaragua and buy um, some goods because it's uh, cheaper in Nicaragua. And many, many people live in the area without any documents. They don't have IDs. They're Nicaraguans and they're Costa Ricans, but they don't have um, um, documentation or anything. And they never 
had any problem with it. Um, there is also a very significant part of the population that lives in the Nicaraguan border and come to Costa Rica to uh, work in the agricultural uh, activities um, in coffee crops or pineapple um, production, um, orange production, and they do so because, well, there are no jobs in Nicaragua or they pay very little. The minimum wage in Nicaragua for a agricultural worker is $124 approximately, whereas in Costa Rica, it's uh, almost $400. So there's a difference. Yeah, and many of them work without any documents, and sometimes they are underpaid, uh, unfortunately, and sometimes... Um, the owners of these farms, they take advantage of this situation and so they don't pay what they should to this Nicaraguan worker. Sounds really similar yeah. to the situation here in the United States with Mexican workers. Yes, yes. It, yeah, unfortunately. There is a um, codependent relationship. Yeah. And there are some like bad practices around it. Nicaraguans need the jobs in Costa Rica, and Costa Rica needs these people um, for their yeah. economical economic growth. Um, but there are some practices that should um, that should be um, examined, and the government had hasn't hadn't done enough before the pandemic. So since COVID nineteen hit us in March. What exactly has changed in regards to the border control and the migration? Have there been more patrols at the border to regulate who's coming in? Have they like set up some kind of, if not a wall, but a fence maybe? Has the Costa Rican government closed the border or has it actually been the other way around? Because I read some articles that also um, President Daniel Ortega closed the borders at one point because he wasn't too happy with um, the Costa Rican government. Yeah, well, the, the government that officially closed the borders was the Costa Rican government. It did so on March 19. Nicaragua's government has had a very particular approach to the pandemic, and you could say that they haven't taken um, the necessary measures to prevent um, the spread of covid so since Costa Rica closed the borders, um, they also decided to put in place this special surveillance plan in both borders, the south border with Panama and the northern border with Nicaragua. Um, so nowadays it's very common to see uh, a lot of agents patrolling the area. Uh, they also have drones and they have um, their there, you could say that they are very efficient in catching the people who try to cross illegally. Uh, and what we found when we went there to do this special report that we uh, just published called La Frontera Dibujada, um, we found out that many of the people that they were catching were people who just lived in the area and they were running some errands and uh, they were caught by the police and they didn't know what to do because they were used to do that all the time and they weren't expecting to get caught. And so 
it has created a lot of problems for these communities. Uh, in, in an area called Los Chiles, uh, you, there is a fence that the police put because they knew that this community um, called um, La Trocha um, had a lot of Nicaraguan families who crossed every day to go to the grocery store. Um, some kids even went to the school that was in the Costa Rican side. And many of the men worked in the uh, pineapple um, production farms. And now they can't. So their lives were disrupted by this new dynamic where the border is now real. And in Nicaragua, uh, the only situation was more about how Nicaragua rejected some of the measures that the Costa Rican government was trying to impose regarding the uh, shipping of merchandise throughout the region. Uh, Costa Rican government was trying to impose some uh, rules regarding how uh, the drivers should have uh, tests before going in or should be uh, accompanied to get in and outside the country. So that was creating um, a bit of delay and the Nicaraguan government and the rest of the Central American countries uh, didn't agree with these policies that were being implemented. So that created um, a situation for a couple of weeks, but it was resolved um, after they had Zika meetings, with, which is like the Central American um, institution where countries uh, agree to certain rules uh, in the region. And recently, uh, there was another situation where 500 Nicaraguan migrants were trying to leave Costa Rica and enter their country, Nicaragua, but they couldn't because the Nicaraguan government was asking for a negative uh, COVID test, which neither of them had because they were actually leaving the country because they didn't have any resources. So they were try trying to go back home and they didn't have any money to um, buy a uh, COVID test and the Nicaraguan government wasn't uh, providing it either. So that created a, yeah, a humanitarian uh, crisis in the border for over a week. But I think now it's better uh, since some Costa Rica's NGOs um, they coordinated everything so that the Nicaraguans could get the test and they could enter Nicaragua. So many of the problems are because the decisions that these governments are making, Nicaragua and Costa Rica, are very, very different. For like in, in, in Nicaragua, you have a government that is sort of denying the pandemic. On the other side, you have the Costa Rican government, which is doing as much as they can to control the pandemic and they had had very good results during the first spike but now they have a second one and they have said that part of the reasons for the second spike it's because of the high circulation of the the virus in Nicaragua. So I, if I go into the Facebook page of the Ministerio de Salud de Costa Rica and you go into the comments of any post, I've seen that a lot of people are blaming the Nicaraguan workers or just Nicaraguan migrants um, about the spike of the coronavirus. So is it fair to say that there has been an increase in 
I guess you could say negative feelings towards Nicaraguans since the global pandemic hit us and then specifically Costa Rica? It is true that 30% of the uh, cases are in foreign population, which is mainly Nicaraguans. Uh, it is true that for a moment you had many cases in the northern area because of the dynamic that I just explained how people were crossing all the time. Um, but I don't think it's fair to just blame the Nicaraguans for the situation right now. First of all, because, well, you have to take into account that the Nicaraguan government is the one making decisions regarding the pandemic in Nicaragua and the situation, yes, is out of control, but there is very little that the population can do to protect themselves. That is one thing to take into account. And the second thing to take into account is that the migrant population is usually vulnerable. They live in precarious neighborhoods with very little resources to have all these uh, hygiene measures or the distance, social distancing is also very hard when you live in a house with 10 people. Many of these people also are essential workers. And so that means that they have to go out every day to work. Um, so I think it's very important to understand the causes behind it. 30%, yes, it's a very significant amount. There, there is a reason why you have that percentage of people infected with, with the virus. Yeah, I think, um, and that goes the same what I've seen here in the United States. I feel like people who have the privilege to socially distance or work from home don't understand what they have to go through, which is what ultimately exposes them to the virus. And then, you know, it's easy pointing the finger at other people, but it's never easy to recognize why we're pointing the finger at them. And it's because they they themselves didn't have to go out and work to provide food and to provide food for the whole country, too, if they make up the majority of the agricultural industry in the country. Yes, absolutely. I I also think that it's... I, I, I don't think that you can say for sure that Nicaraguans are fleeing their country right now to come to Costa Rica. First, because one, well, it's more difficult right now because of all the surveillance. And two, because Costa Rica is a very expensive country. And so if Nicaraguans are coming mainly because they find jobs here, well, right now they can't find any jobs because of the the economic crisis that also hit Costa Rica. So many Nicaraguans are actually thinking about going back. Um, oh, wow. they, don't have, they don't have, they don't have a place to live. They don't have a job uh, and they don't have any money to buy food. And that was the situation with these 500 migrants who were stranded for a while. Um, at least a hundred of them were seeking asylum in 2018 and they decided to uh, just quit the, the application and go back to Nicaragua despite of the, the risks that this means. Uh, I think it's also important for the audience to understand that in Nicaragua, we have a, a social political crisis that started in April 2018. 
uh, massive protests against the government um, started and the government's crackdown cost over 300 deaths and almost 100,000 people fleeing the country. So the country has been in, in a recession for almost three years now and many people were being persecuted uh, are still being persecuted by the government and they had to leave the country and they were seeking asylum here in Costa Rica. But things have been so difficult right now because of the pandemic and because they don't have any jobs that they decided to just go back to Nicaragua despite of the risks that this meant. So I don't know. I think that there are many things to take into consideration. Um, and I don't think it's true that you will see this massive amount of Nicaraguans trying to break into Costa Rica to get yeah. some of the health uh, assistance that they need uh, due to COVID. Yeah, because like I mentioned about the Facebook, I remember seeing one comment by someone saying, oh, Nicaraguans can come with like without any ID and just go into the hospital and get immediate help. But then Costa Rican citizens don't get that help. So it's it's weird how some people don't realize that it's much more complex than what it seems because the same thing happens here in the United States. Yeah. And of course it it happens when we interviewed the coordinator of one of the hospitals in the border area in Los Chiles. Yes. He said that there, there were some Nicaraguans who uh, came into the hospital and they lied about where they lived because they wanted to get, uh, they were seeking uh, medical attention and well, it's really hard to blame them when they don't have anywhere else to go yeah. in their country. But also um, it's important that people know that many of the Nicaraguans who are um, being assisted by Costa Rican, by the Costa Rican um, health system, they pay insurances. Many of them are residents, they work here. And so they, they do pay an insurance and they have a right to be assisted. As they should. Yeah. Is there really anything the government can do to help alleviate these negative feelings, which I guess borderline is just racism against the Nicaraguans? Is there anything the government has pr like provided like resources to help people so they can feel, I guess, less threatened by foreigners? I think that they have been very careful with their discourses. Um, I really appreci appreciate how the uh, health minister, minister uh, is very careful with his words. Like when he said, well, we have a situation uh, in Nicaragua and there is uh, a high circulation of the virus, this, this were his words. And I think that's a, it's a very meticulous way of saying it because he wasn't blaming Nicaraguans for this situation. Um, it's hard because at the same time, they also have to be very careful because they know that there is this nationalist sentiment in the Costa Rican society and any little action that they do can be questioned as, why are you helping Nicaraguans? We're in a crisis, we should be prioritized. Um, and I can see that they're trying to maintain this delicate balance. Um, I think they could do more, definitely, but I also understand mm -hmm. the political implications of it. Uh, for instance, during the crisis with the 
Nicaraguan stranded migrants. Um, they knew that they couldn't provide the COVID test to the Nicaraguans uh, because they were in Nicaraguan soil and because they knew that that would probably cause a negative reaction within the Costa Rican society that believes that we shouldn't be helping Nicaraguans. It's their problem. They chose that government that is not taking care of them, etc. Um, but I do think that other uh, sectors, other actors in society can do more. Um, the media could do more. Traditional media sometimes. But most of the time, they um, portray Nicaraguans and migrants in a very stereotypical way. And most of the time, we're also invisible. And we should talk more about what we are contributing and how we are contributing to this country. I think the private sector could do more to acknowledge that important contribution. I also agree with the specialist Carlos Sandoval when he said um, the church and Religious groups that are very um, important in this country are highly influential, should also uh, talk about how Nicaraguans are, we're part of this society. I think we should have a permanent conversation about immigration, about Nicaraguans. And I also think that the Costa Rican society has a hard time recognizing that they are xenophobic and racist because you're right yeah it also yeah. has to do with the fact that Nicaraguans are yes they may most of them are uh poor people uneducated um who come here uh looking for jobs uh Costa Ricans often see that as as a bad thing they portray Nicaraguans as these as the other and so they have this saying uh, Nica, which is like don't be or don't behave like a Nicaraguan because yeah. they see that as something that is not desired because they have dark skin and Costa Ricans usually see themselves mostly as white people uh, or uneducated or poor or anything that Costa Ricans don't want to be. Yeah, it's, it's quite ironic because I know many Costa Ricans who then come to the United States and when they get treated the way they've treated Nicaraguans back home, they're surprised as if they weren't doing the same exact thing to a different group of people. So it's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, I think that Costa Ricans are not, it's really hard for them to put themselves into the shoes of migrants because this is not a country of uh, migrants. It's a country that receives migrants. There are a lot of Nicaraguans, there are a lot of Venezuelans now, a lot of expats, which are the migrants that are desired, that are welcome because they have money and they come here to invest. Um, but yeah, I, I recently saw a post on Facebook about a Costa Rican um, man who was um, harassed by the police because they thought that he was um, undocumented. And oh, wow. It's, it's interesting because uh, you don't see those news here. There's no, like in the, mm -hmm. the Costa Rican social imaginary, they're, they, they're not migrants. That's interesting. Well, what would you say are benefits the Costa Rican citizens have over illegal, I guess, illegal foreigns? Um, 
like those coming from Nicaragua or just any other country in general, because I feel like sometimes people think that, or some the reason why people get upset with having illegal foreigners in the country is because they receive the same benefits as any other citizen. So they feel like what's the point then of having papers or not having papers? Yeah, I know that I think that's a misconception and it's just a false belief. If you come to Costa Rica, you have to earn all the rights. Um, and it's not easy to have all your documentation and apply for residency or citizenship. It's a long process. It costs a lot of money. And in many cases, many Nicaraguans can't afford it. So they never, they never do. And because of it, they're not allowed to go to the advice uh, or to go to any hospitals unless it's an emergency. Even for professionals or people who are who have a better economic situation, it's not easy. Um, it's not easy to uh, get in school or the university. Um, and in many cases, also, you have to look into what the owners of the different companies that are hiring these migrants are doing because in many cases they are taking advantage of the uh, illegal status of these workers and so they don't pay them as much as they should and they don't give them any of the benefits that they should have so it's it's not true it's not true and and, and if you see um Nicaraguans or any foreigners that are residents and are getting some of the uh, some of the benefits is because they have earned them, and I can yeah. say that many of the policies or all of the policies that are in place favor locals all the time. What would you hope the listeners learned about Costa Rica during these times of distress, and I guess mainly specifically listeners in the United States, because sometimes I feel like the issue of illegal migration is unique. To the United States, but as we've learned in the past half hour, that is definitely not the case in countries like Costa Rica, which are supposed to be almost like the Switzerland of Latin America. Yeah, well, Costa Rica, like I said, is a very exemplary country. I admire um, their efforts to create a peaceful, stable society. You can see how the decisions that they have made in the past have an impact on what they are today. And it is true that many of us Nicaraguans have benefited from it. And that is why we are here, because it's a country that offers um, many of the things that unfortunately we can't have in Nicaragua, like um, rule of law, democracy, human rights better education system. But it's also true that uh, xenophobia is real and it has spikes. It's true that it comes with racism and there's a term for this in Spanish. I don't know if it's also in English, aporophobia, which is fear of the poor. And it's very uh, heartbreaking to see how these all of these feelings, these negative feelings, have an impact in um, people's lives. It's not the same that I hear or read a comment online, but when you see people in the border towns who are not, who stop talking to themselves, who 
um, lost their jobs because of the situation, who feel like they have they're guilty or they they're a problem right now. It's just it's really sad, and I think it's important to talk about it because if we, if we don't talk about it, we can't solve it. If Costa Ricans don't realize that this is a problem and Uh, in the middle of a pandemic, you shouldn't be looking for um, a scapegoat, then you won't focus on what the real solution is, which is to uh, try to fix this um, inequalities and these situations when you where you have a lot of vulnerable people who are also contributing in your country, um, then it's very hard that the country will make it successfully through this pandemic. Yeah, I also hope that if anyone or whoever listens to this podcast realizes that this isn't just a problem in Costa Rica, it's a problem everywhere. And we just have to learn how to be more compassionate of each other because without each other, like you said, there's almost like this codependency of me needing you and you needing me. So I think people need to be more aware of that before jumping to any conclusions or just, I guess, ignorant thoughts about other groups of people. When you are going through such a difficult time, like a pandemic, it's really easy to yeah. look for simple answers. Uh, unfortunately, there aren't any simple answers or simple yeah. solutions. On the contrary, uh, it's very, very complex. And I think we need to take a moment to understand better the realities of every person in this country, including us Nicaraguan migrants. Thank you so much, Cindy, for joining us on this episode of COVID Around the World. Thank you for the invitation. And I hope that I helped understand a little bit of what's going on here in Costa Rica. I definitely think so. I, I learned a lot more than I could have through any research on the internet, especially from the United States, which it could be hard to find really raw information about this topic. In continuation with this episode on migration and border control in Costa Rica during COVID-19, I wanted to talk about how the Panamanian and Costa Rican government governments are handling the situation. This will help showcase the difference between the southern border and what we just heard about the northern border when we spoke to Cindy Regidor. To begin, today we have Yoleni Moreno, who works in the administrative sector for the Aguadulce Lodge in Playa Preciosa, which is located in Puerto Jimenez, Punta Arenas, near the Panamanian border. So she has a lot of knowledge about what's going on at the southern Costa Rican border. I want to say, though, this interview will be a little different. Yoleni couldn't be with us today, so she has sent me all her answers via email. In order to make it a little more authentic, I have asked my friend to read her answers so it can feel like an, an interview and not just me talking. So with that in mind, let's begin. To start, would you like to introduce yourself? Well, as Melissa said, my name is Yoleni Moreno, and I currently work for the Agua Dulce Lodge in Playa Preciosa, where I am in charge of all the employees, sales, how the hotel is being managed, the rooms, the guests, and also the accounting, charges, payroll, etc. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. I was wondering if you could start off by talking about the border control at the Costa Rican-Panamanian border before COVID-19, since you live so close to the border. What was it like pre-COVID-19? 
Was there a lot of control and regulation or very little like at the Nicaraguan border? Since COVID-19, what has changed? Have procedures to enter or leave the country changed? The Costa Rican and Panamanian border before COVID-19 was always very busy and crowded. It was always required that any Costa Rican who wishes to go to Panama must present a return ticket back to Costa Rica in order to make sure that the person would be going back to their country of origin. On March 18th, Costa Rica closed their maritime, aerial, and terrestrial borders and were only going to let in Costa Rican citizens and residents back into the country. When those who were allowed back into their country, they were instructed under a health order to quarantine at home for 14 days. As for Nicaragua, it has always been much more difficult since many Nicaraguans come into Costa Rica for work. Not only that, but there are many loopholes at the Nicaraguan border for people to come into the country without being cleared first. When all borders closed on March 18th, the government said that if any Costa Rican resident left the country during the pandemic, then they would not be able to come back in and would lose their Costa Rican residency. Thus, many Nicaraguans lost their status. So due to the changes in the procedures to enter and leave the country, who made this decision? Was it a decision made by both countries? Costa Rica decided to close their borders in accordance with the restrictions and orders that other countries put in place, including Panama. Has this pandemic and the closing of the borders affected the relationship between the two governments? If you can and don't mind, you can also tell us a little bit a little bit about the Nicaraguan government with Costa Rica so we could see the difference between the relationship between Costa Rica and Nicaragua and then Costa Rica and Panama. With Panama, there have never really been any problems, but with Nicaragua, since President Daniel Ortega didn't agree with what many health professionals were saying about COVID-19, there were some bumps on the road, but eventually things started to smooth out. Currently, Nicaragua is not letting their own people into the country until they prove that they have a negative COVID-19 test result. The problem with this is it is nearly impossible for any Nicaraguan trying to go back to their home country to get a negative test result because the cost of one COVID-19 test is $150. Many have unfortunately been stuck at the border hoping they can get back into Nicaragua soon. In your professional and or personal experience, have you seen a difference between how Panamanian immigrants are treated versus Nicaraguan immigrants? Has it been easier for Panamanian immigrants to settle into the country rather than Nicaraguan immigrants? Unfortunately, yes, I have seen a difference. It is widely known that Panamanians don't migrate to Costa Rica since it is more expensive to live here than it is to live in Panama. And also, for the most part, the Panamanian community lives really well. On the other side, though, Nicaraguans migrate to our country in order to flee poverty and unemployment. So the jobs many Costa Ricans don't want to work are the jobs many Nicaraguans end up working. Now, with COVID-19, the xenophobia against them has increased due to how President Ortega is handling the pandemic. And before COVID-19, was there a high number of illegal immigrants coming from Panama, whether that be specifically Panamanian or immigrants coming from South America so they can resettle in Costa Rica? If so, has there been a rise in illegal immigration coming from there? If before COVID-19, illegal immigration coming from Panama wasn't an issue, is it an issue now? Before COVID-19, Costa Rica was helping people migrating from Africa and Cuba that were stuck at the Panamanian border. 
Costa Rica stepped in and let many of them, depending on the circumstance, and then would transfer them to the Nicaraguan border because many of these people were trying to get to the U.S. But as I've said, the Panamanian migration has never been and is not currently a problem. Well, even though what you told us about the Nicaraguan border and what Cindy Regidor also told us is very unfortunate, I'm glad to hear that at least the Panamanian government is working with the Costa Rican government to fight this pandemic, but also working with Costa Rica to help promote the safety of their people. Well, that's all we have for today. I want to thank Yorleni for giving us this valuable information. I would also like to thank my friend for stepping in and helping me with this interview. Thank you for tuning into today's episode of COVID Around the World. Our next episode will focus on COVID and migration in the Zambia. 